Hello everybody welcome back to another episode uh, I'm back with Varsha Mathur today so Varsha is a dating and relationship coach uh, and it's it's one of the I think it would be my first conversations in last 40 episodes I think 40 to 45 episodes um, uh, I'm speaking about relationships I'm really happy about it so thank you Varsha for being here it's my pleasure to have you thank you very much Thank you so much for inviting me I appreciate it Yeah uh, it's my pleasure it's my pleasure to have you. Uh before beginning anything getting into any other topic in conversation it would be great it would be wonderful if you could speak about yourself and what you do and uh, yeah that would be great. Sure it's my favorite topic right talk about myself. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah so like you said I'm a dating and relationship coach I work with singles and I work with couples to actually build really solid healthy relationships outside of societal pressures and taboos from the stigmas that people have around dating and relationships mm-hmm. and especially nowadays with the apps like there's endless swiping there's <laughs> this, uh you know texting you know so really discovering how to break free from that and actually have authentic conversations authentic connections and with couples you know the the work never stops you really have to continue the work of building trust and communication and happiness and so that's what i do with couples and i started this really because as a excuse me as a south asian growing up in america even <coughs> excuse me no word i had to um overcome a divorce be back in a dating pool and found that i struggled with the society around me telling me what to do telling me what not to do the decision alone of leaving a relationship that was the societal's norm was real and when i began my journey i started blogging and that's mm-hmm. what led me to ha- see that people were coming out of the woodwork and saying like thank you for sharing your story um how can you help me and that's really what generated my coaching business was having people say like you're not alone and therefore i could tell them that they're not alone okay okay yeah happy to hear happy to hear um yeah you as as a relationship and a dating coach uh how how in today's um you know how how complicated how confusing uh has dating and relationship had you know getting into a relationship is a huge huge thing let it be any country let it be uh let it be india let it be america let it be any other country it, it has become complicated it is going to become more complicated in the coming days and coming future and all these things because things coming up and changing evolving things uh how 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 do you see this uh, how do you define relationship and uh dating at at to be specific in today's day and time Yeah, so first of all, it doesn't have to be complicated and confusing. It really doesn't. Um and I I do know that it does seem that way for a lot of people right now. Um what I'm understanding your question to be is like actually why is it this way? Is that yeah. your question? Yeah. Well, I think there are so many layers to this. Um from a Indian perspective, it is that the culture is shifting. Okay. And so there is the pull of traditional lifestyle, traditional marriage and family and and what that means versus people who get to go out and do what is 
I guess, loosely called the Western way, like actually dating and meeting someone that you personally are comfortable with um, and getting to know them and then introducing them to the family. So there is this sort of tug of war for individuals, <laughs> tug of wars for a society, yeah. um, which adds this added layer of confusion, quite frankly. And I think that's completely normal. Um, so one of the things in my coaching is to really learn to navigate that and decide who you want to be about those circumstances, because they don't need to be at, uh, they don't need to butt heads. There can actually be a, a healthy way to merge that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is with the online dating culture, with all the apps, what happens is people feel like there is another better opportunity just one swipe away around the next corner. I will meet another person. And what if they're better than the one that I have in front of me? Yeah. And yeah. that mentality is exhausting because it never <laughs> ends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true, true, and I, I love the word tug of uh, tug of war which you use there. Uh, it was, it is, it's interesting. Um, what, 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 why people, why people um, struggle finding, you know, a partner? Which, of course, you know, today things are evolving. Um, a person you meet ten years back could not be the same person ten years after, and it it becomes harder for you to live with the same person with the, these ideologies, and it changes, and you can't you can't live. I, of course, I understand that. Uh, so, how how do you think somebody can find an ideal relationship? Not maybe mm-hmm. no, I would not quote it as perfect, but I would morally uh, say it is ideal. Uh, how how do you think uh, a person could have an ideal relationship well look if i had the magic pill answer to that i wouldn't have a job number one and <laughs> i would happily share it because i want everyone to have that experience but it is not a black and white answer yeah um but what i will say is that the number one issue that comes in front of most of my clients and including myself was the timelines and pressures that we put in order mm. to meet that Uh, criteria of our life and feeling like, oh, well, I'm 25 or I'm 35 or whatever the age is for you. So therefore my life must look a certain way. And it actually becomes very difficult to be your authentic self if you're putting yourself in uh, under so much pressure. And some people put it on themselves. Other people are getting it from family members. But I think that's the biggest challenge. And overcoming that is what creates authentic connection. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you were you were sp- quoting about the term, uh, you know, you were speaking not the term. I would say you were speaking about this thing was, um, you know, how society, uh, society wishes to you be like, you know, as you were speaking about your divorce and you know you finding and you being in the dating circle again, and then you mm-hmm. starting blogging. So before that, when you when you just took divorce, um, of course, what, what was what was your parents' reaction, a family's reaction, more were, um, mm-hmm. as as an Indian because it's very very. I think I I I feel it's going to be the same over there also that it's very very uh you know it's i, I it's very uh, taboo stigma and there is a lot of things that oh how could you you know just try to work it out how could you uh, take a divorce mm-hmm. and then you went yeah. into other relationship and then you find you know living with other person or you know marrying any anything vice versa whatever so how would that yeah. uh, the man's person uh, man's family i would say reacting to your uh, divorce and you marrying or staying and living with that yeah. person how was that how was the both of the situations happening okay that's a lot <laughs> and i look forward to it but i yeah so where to start so luckily for me i had the most incredible in-laws 
with my ex-husband and my, my current husband. I mean, my in-laws are just um, so supportive. And even back then when we were having difficulties in our marriage, there was this incredible push. I mean, it was probably hard for them to understand, but at the same time, there was a, an incredible reminder that they're there to support the relationship despite troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as far as I know with, with my ex-husband's family, I don't actually know what they felt once it was final, um, because we weren't in communication after that. But I must say that during the process, there was nothing but love and respect. Um, though I think internally they probably had some hardships. My family, I like to explain it as like three tiers, essentially, because there's the extended family slash society, right? The people who are not necessarily close to you, but at the same time close to you. Mm. And then there's the like insular family. So my siblings, my parents, my very close uncles and aunts. And there's then the elders, which is a whole different territory because (laughs) they don't always know what's going on, but you also have this level of respect where you want them to be in the, in the know. Yeah. You want them to be part of your life. So um, I think for my, my grandfather, especially at at that time, I, um, I only had one living grandparent and I think he struggled with it quite a bit. Like, I don't think he ever really understood, even after I got remarried, I don't think he understood what happened. And why? And I don't, he never showed me disrespect or anything like that, but there was always, there was definitely a shift and change in our relationship. Yeah. And um, it changed from, you know, this, you know, cute little Nana and, and, and Varsha relationship to something a little bit different. He saw me differently. Um, And with my parents, they were incredible, always supportive. They didn't understand. Like I, I actually give them a lot of credit because they were constantly there for me despite probably having a lot of fears and my same thing with my siblings you know it was really hard for everybody to understand what was going on but they always were reminded that I was their first priority Mm. um and then the extended family it was mixed some people were very mean about it and some people were like look hey we're supporting you but really we know that we can't do anything for you um so kind of a long-winded answer <laughs> but it's it's multi-tiered essentially yeah yeah true true yeah yeah and and would you would you wish to share um, you know what what uh, what if you wish to share the uh, what what mm-hmm. happened wrong which which had to you know you had to take a divorce if you if you're comfortable with it yeah. otherwise we can move forward that's not that's not a problem yeah i mean i'll i'll say it briefly because it's really hard to explain until you're in it but there were just there was just no real click between me and my ex-husband. I think there was compatibility. I think there was a lot of connection on different levels, but we just saw the world in completely different ways. Um, and you know, I point to things like education, money, um, respect for family and friends. These were all things that we had values around but they were slightly different. Mm. You know, it's it's a lot to get into. Um, and every couple is different. So yeah. there's really no way to, to, to promise that one thing will be for sure. But what I do emphasize is that I had gut feelings the whole time that I completely disregarded out of fear of, again, societal pressures. And had I been more confident and secure in those in knowing who I was and who I was going to be, um, it would have been a totally different scenario. Okay. 
okay okay and and um, you know uh, what 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 uh, what what uh, do do you agree upon this point that difference of ideologies could even make you uh, make you both apart and you know you know you could 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 do you think uh, ideological differences also could be a reason for somebody taking a divorce or breaking up with a, with a him or her with their with their partners yeah i wish there was an easy answer to this i think the answer is it depends it depends on the weight that you give to that ideology mm. and also the respect that you have for the person despite their ideologies um i look at like somebody like we can use my grandfather's you know example like i love him and respect him despite his ideologies that can also be the case in a romantic relationship but it's a choice to show up every day from respect rather than judgment on the ideology yeah yeah so true so true and uh, there was there was an interesting um, you know study done in the country of hong kong and china and i think there was some um, korean south korea of course so there was three countries there was a research done there uh that people started filing divorces after the lockdowns were ending up in these countries more people filed uh, you know divorces and after some time these people wanted no they don't didn't want a divorce so do you think sometime uh you know some kind of you know of course when you were when people were in their houses and they were seeing the their partners speaking mm-hmm. with them and you know uh you know this this was this was i just wanted to get your thoughts upon this uh was uh, you know taking decisions rationally uh you know just in some quick uh like a like, like a tea just put the bag and put the water and the tea is ready you know taking decisions <laughs> like that is it right into a any kind of relationship yeah i don't think it's a matter of like the speed of the decision i think it's a matter of um the weight that it carries on you so it sounds like in these pandemic divorces um my guess is based on my complete assumptions around you know indian chinese and korean lifestyles is that this this structure of what your life should look like is very easily delineated it's very easy to follow a certain structure to your life and when all of the momentum of things have stopped and you actually have to be with the person in very close proximity um you might be awakened to that deeper value system that you have that's outside of just everyday life timeline and schedule and so you see who this person that you married really is and that can be kind of confronting and probably difficult for a lot of people would the relationship go back to being the way it needs to be when the pandemic close downs are done maybe but at the same time will you be able to go back to not having seen what you recognized about the distance between the two of you yeah 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 true true okay interesting and um, what what does what does some holds some some people back from having successful relationship why uh, some relationship just fail what happens what goes wrong oh man i i think there's like an array of things that can go wrong i mean uh gosh i wish i had an answer for for such a question but consider that that the the asking of that question actually um implies um wanting black and white answers and if you lo- live life thinking that there is black and white only um then it's going to be tough relationships are the beauty of the gray space you know 
Um, there's really no way to be 100% of anything in a relationship. It's always going to be um, gray areas. Okay. You have to be willing to be with the gray areas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And what, 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 what do you think? Um, what, what some kind of essential things does a relationship needs to work? Of course, it it should be communication, having foods mm -hmm. together, or something like that. What what else do you recommend and should should be happening, which could have a better relationship? Yeah, one thing that was actually one of my favorite things that was said to me a long time ago was that relationships should be one hundred percent, but that doesn't mean that it has to be fifty fifty. Mm. I think one of the greatest things in relationships is being able to know when your partner might be at forty percent and you need to be at sixty. or someone's at 90 and you have to pull pull up the person at 10 and being willing to be on that like sort of seesaw all the time and not expect it to be a perfect 50-50 like give and take. Um and then like you said, things like respect and communication go a long way in every single aspect of a relationship and my definition of a relationship is actually um to be in communication and to be in connection with the person. And so um what is it going to take and what is it going to look like you get to define that for yourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay sorry yeah so mm -hmm. how how can uh, you know somebody recognize uh that their relationship is not right for them and it's more, not more more than being right it's toxic mm -hmm. yeah so of course there are like red flags that are of toxicity right like abuse um maybe some addiction problems those kinds of things are sort of more the obvious red flags you know to protect yourself around make sure you're seeking the resources to support yourself around the other thing really is to be in tune with your um intuition a lot of times people want to look again for these like black and white answers like oh god please give me a sign if he doesn't pick up his chai this way then i'll know that he's not the right guy for me well the truth is that god has given us this intuition this inner you know inner uh, um voice and the more that you tune into that the more likely you're going to be able to see what's right and what's wrong for you because that same person that's wrong for you can be right for somebody else else yeah yeah true and um, as we were just speaking about abuse and toxicity uh you know sometimes sometimes you just love that person but you but you understand that person is not right for you so what you know but then that you know becomes a very very huge thing on your mind and you are in a, some kind of trauma and uh, you know how so how can somebody heal from the trauma how can somebody heal mm -hmm. from that you know thinking about that person which he she loved with whole heart but because mm -hmm. of things it didn't work out so what things why how can somebody heal from those uh, trauma traumatized uh, relationship breakups yeah, i mean i think yeah. yeah so one a few things that i i highly recommend is to uh, really allow yourself to be with the emotions instead of suppressing them. Of yeah. course, get the support that you need. Like for some people, this can even cause things emotional upset to the point of maybe needing therapy and counseling. But even on a on a more simpler level, being with your emotions and allowing yourself the space, but at the same time acknowledging it and and deciding that it's going to be a temporary time that you're going to be with these emotions. And then to move forward by, you know, using your friends 
using art, music, creativity, the things that actually can pull you out of the mood. Because it sounds like whether it was your choice or their choice, the commitments were just not aligned. And so really, this is about actually allowing your emotions to take their course, building yourself back up with all the tools that you know people use, journaling, friends, family, um, and then really choosing what you're going to be committed to next. It sounds like you know, if you're single and you want to be in a relationship where the other person doesn't leave you, then, you know, looking at what is it going to take for you to like dust your shoulders off and get back into the game. Mm-hmm. And then what, what, how was the healing? You no, know, did you, did you, did you have hard time, you know, uh, living your ex has been back and getting into and, you know, your normal life. And how was that, that uh, whole movement and whole that uh, phase for you? And how did you come out of that? And you're being wonderful today and speaking with me. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I wish I had coaching back then. It would have been so much easier. Um, there's like a slew of tools that I have now that help people put put aside their past, not in a way where you're not going to, it's not going to always be a you, but in a way that allows you to move forward in a healthy way. Um, but for me, it was very much a struggle. I thought I was done. I just never thought I could be married again. I never thought that people would want to date me now because I had this black cloud over me. The divorced Indian girl is a terrible cloud. Um, and I really was devastated for a long time, went through a little bit of depression, got the support that I needed after some encouragement from my family. And um, eventually when I was, when I started dating again, when I started putting myself out there because people did encourage me, I was still very young. People did encourage me to go out and, and meet people. And I was just like, fine, I'll do that, but I'm not going to get married. I was tarnished on the concept of marriage. But by putting myself out there, it allowed me to meet my husband. Mm. And when you meet the kind of person that has the level of click, the, the friendship, the respect, the compatibility on, um, on that sort of undefinable level, um, marriage is like not even like, it's like an obvious thing, you know, um, and, and not, you can call it marriage, you can call it life partnership, whatever, depending on your, your own ideologies. But being with somebody forever at, when you click to that level is, is, a, is a, a non-issue. It's like a given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what did you, what did you, uh, what do you think you learned from mm-hmm. uh, the past relationships you went through and uh, had to end up because of the many, any, any kind of uh, reasons? So what did you personally mm-hmm. learn about those relationships and how do you, try to implement those, uh, you know, things which didn't work out and make to um, try harder and push harder, like in, in this mm-hmm. sense, you know, uh, give your hundred percent from your point to your, uh, your romantic relationship. Yeah. So I think number one is never feel alone. Even in your, um, even in your romantic partnerships, um, sure. You may not want to like divulge all the secrets and details of your partnership to other people, but to actually sometimes know that there's support outside of your relationship for you so that you can actually show up to the relationship with uh, strength and confidence. Uh, the people that give you that strength and confidence don't have to just be your partner. Um, so I think really finding even, I mean, this goes for any relationship, whether it's with your career, with your 
um, friends, you know, to really know that there is a support system out there for you and you don't have to be alone. I think that's probably the thing that still to this day gets me through anything um, is my tendency is to always be like, I can handle it. I'm strong. Like, let me, let me push through. Um, and the push through mentality, the willpower mentality is exhausting. It, it actually dies out over time. So the idea is to constantly be building yourself this um, bag of tricks, if you will, to have support nearby at any given time. And it can look so different than what you might think at first. Okay. Okay. And um, what would be, what, what, uh, what is one, what, what one question? do you get from your clients and they ask about like, Hey, Varsha, I'm, you know, feeling so bad about this. Hey, Varsha, I'm, you know, struggling with this. Hey, Varsha, I'm, you know, going through this. So what are the very common uh, questions you get uh, from your clients? And if you, if you, if you think so if one or two, you could, you know, uh, put these questions over and could answer them, it would be great. Yeah. So the first thing I want to say up front is that with coaching, it's distinct from therapy in that, um, my, my clients are seen as whole and complete and that they actually don't have problems, but they want more out of life. So when they come with to me with issues or a request for coaching on a particular topic, it's really more about how do I get to where I want to be? Mm. So yes, there are struggles and challenges, but I, I just like to put out there that these are over, you know, it's easy to overcome them. Um, so the first thing that usually comes up is my parents are pressuring to me to get married and I can't find anyone. Okay. And the people that they're introducing me to are not matching and clicking with me. And the dating apps, I, I just can't, I can't seem to get past two or three messages, calls, dates, whatever. Everyone's at a different stage. So um, this is where I've actually begun doing some mediations between parents and their adult children who are in the dating age and marriageable age, um, because setting some parameters and boundaries and communicating with your parents is so daunting, right? Like uh, many Indian families, this is not a topic that you talk about. It's just the way it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so actually getting on the same page with your parents and, and doing so in a, in a delicate way um, is is kind of critical, especially in these what I call like more transitional families where, uh, you know, most of my clients are successful career minded people who all their life were told to study hard, get into the best schools, like get the best jobs. And they did that. And then a month into the first job, the parents are like, okay, do you have a boyfriend? Tell me, like, <laughs> you, you let me know we're ready to get you married now. And they're like, oh, well, crap, I didn't know that was allowed because, you know, I was told to focus on my studies. And so either, yeah, and a lot of people do, right? Like people date when they're in, in studies and stuff, but it's kind of like this automatic shift that happens for the parents and, and the family, just the dynamic changes. So I think number one is to really get on the page with your parents. Um, let them know about your process, let them know about what you're thinking. And this is kind of where coaching and some support really helps if you're having trouble with the communication, because not all parents are going to understand the lingo is different. If you dating, what does that even mean? If you say, I'm going out with somebody that I met on an app, that could sound completely <laughs> absurd to somebody yeah. who had an arranged marriage. So, uh, you know, really <laughs> learning what the communication style is of your parents in order to be the person that initiates that connection. 
Mm. Um, and then also just learning for yourself how you're going to show up to whether it's matrimonial sites, dating apps, or um, introductions from family, like how are you going to show up as your version of you that is authentic without feeling the pressures? Mm. And that's not something I can answer on a podcast, unfortunately, because it's different for everybody. But yeah. it is the number one tool in coaching to really figure out who you're going to be about the process. Okay. And uh, just, just one, one question I just wanted to ask, do American Indians also have matrimony sites? Yeah, yeah. Oh um, so a lot of them are also using shadi.com, Bharat Matrimonial. Um, <laughs> okay, that's funny. Yeah, it's, not <laughs> it's not for everybody. Um, and there are also matchmakers who work with like Indian born people, you know, here as well. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, what, what has you asked that? What makes that funny? I'm curious. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I just, just, um, I just thought, you know, as, a, as, a, as you, you know, go to a different country, you do work with people, live with people over there. So I thought things, mm -hmm. there are some things which don't exist. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. but uh, listening, you speaking about matrimony said it was fun for me and funny because uh, it, it has become <laughs> a very, uh, very absurd thing. I know uh, these things do exist in the uh, rural part of India. So, but uh, day by day passing, uh, it has it has become just really, really uh, weird and absurd. It's becoming really absurd and weird in the urban <laughs> India. So, you know, matrimony as a thing, yeah. like, oh, it's really weird. Oh, you still search there and see there. It's it's weird. Yeah. So just wanted to... It so, is. you know, it's so interesting because, uh, and I remind my, myself of this often. So my grandparents immigrated here in the 1960s, which is, you know, pretty unusual. And so my mom and my Mossies and stuff were all raised here in the United States. But what happens is that my grandparents brought 1950s and 60s India to the United States. Yeah. And so they raised their families with these very traditional views. So when yeah. I go to India, as a, I was born in the 80s, um, I go to India and I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are like way cooler and way more modern <laughs> and even more risk takers than me yeah. because I was raised by 1950s India. Yeah. And so... Um, it, it's really, it's really amazing to see that transition. But for every person now, my family's also very modern, very advanced in their thinking. I mean, I think um, compared to most Indian families in the States, but I think for every generation that came three generations ago, there's someone coming even today and raising their families. And so they're from all sorts of villages, all sorts of education levels, all sorts of backgrounds. And so these traditional families still exist even here in the states and yeah. as do the modern ones yeah so it's it's yeah it's still here <laughs> yeah and that, that's interesting you know countries where these are countries like france where the, there is huge immigration from turkey uh, huge immigration from you know algeria and there's such countries and even um, as you stated about states um, you know so these countries, what happens, uh, you know, as you already said that we, we, as we go there at the time, like, for example, as your grandparents mm -hmm. came there in 1960, they got that ideology of India at that moment. So at that mm -hmm. point of time, what was India at that time? It's, it's not the same India, you know, ideologies are changed. People have changed. Um, what my mm -hmm. grandmother would be is, it would you know, what my grandmother would be speaking about your grandfather would not be. So it, it really has changed. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really wonderful to, you know, just record this and uh, hear about this. Uh, and uh, yeah, and what would be your advice to anybody to, you know, just be themselves 
in any other you know in any relationships to be themselves and be real to their self and then mm-hmm. not not become any kind of puppet or any kind of um, you know just be happy uh, in front of the person but sad innerly or from inner yeah. part of the heart so what would be your advice to them Oh my gosh, so many things, but I think the the overarching thing is to really get present to your identity. Um emotional identity, cultural identity and allow that to be different and unique. Um because as soon as the comparisons come in, as soon as the the I'm I should be a certain way, that vocabulary of should is very toxic to the individual. Um so I think that the real key here is to really be self-accepting. um and to take a deep dive into recognizing who you are and um you know there are a number of exercises that can help with that but uh that in, inner work of self acceptance it, it goes a long way and it, it's becoming more and more acceptable i think um among men among different ages among different societies but for a long time it was suppressed um so i think that's a great place to start Okay okay and uh, I think it's we have spoken about and discussed about wonderful things about relationship and dating uh so before ending up would you like to speak upon any particular thing or would like to add upon anything or uh, do you wish to speak about any any anything you can just go ahead and do it now no worries anything yeah i mean if you're if you're cool with it um i would love to share about my services actually sure, sure. Um, go ahead, i go ahead. I do work with people one-on-one and also have groups where I coach uh women separately and men separately, people identifying uh in that gender and looking for partners. And um before I work with anybody, I start by doing what I call a discovery session, which is completely complimentary. Um you can book it using my website or on Instagram at coachingbyvarsha. and i encourage people to just kind of see whether coaching is the thing for you because a lot of times we get stuck in cycles and patterns and if you're willing to actually make a shift and change in your life once and for all so you can get the results that you want and not be in those patterns um this is this is a great place to start i use a coach myself it's a it's a continuum journey to kind of want more from your life um so yeah i'm here and i'm happy to work with people i do work with people virtually internationally and um yeah would love to hear from from you all okay. okay yeah so yeah thank you very much for being here it was wonderful it was uh, amazing and having amazing conversation about relationship i just wish to go more deep but time has its own limits and things yeah yeah, yeah so it it was wonderful having you it was great having you i enjoyed it personally really thank you yeah thanks so much i have to also add that your questions were really great Um I I know that you're very much like fly at the seat of your pants and you don't really um I know that you didn't plan a lot of this but you have such depth in your questions and I really love the work that you're doing um I think it's really exciting to see someone um at your stage in life kind of um making making a statement and and doing your thing that really serves you so kudos for that Thank you thank you very much it's my pleasure